He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today I spoke with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who was in essence Kaepernick before Kaepernick. We discussed what led to his opposition to the national anthem in 1996 while he was with the Denver Nuggets, the reactions from the fans, from David Stern, as well as the hate mail and support he received. We discussed the media attempting to pit him and Akeem Olajuwon against each other, as well as his admiration for Steph Curry, both on and off the court. This was a very informative discussion as many are probably still not clear as to everything that occurred with Mahmoud Abdurraouf being banished from the league. Hope you enjoy. Mahmoud Abdurraouf, how are you doing, sir? Oh man, I'm blessed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 an honor to have you on my show, The Rematch, and have you be a part of, of my book. I'm using a portion of this for my book. Um, and, you know, I, it's interesting because I've been reading about you um since high school and you know i wrote an article that came out this morning in the guardian and um i talked about you and craig hodges and the sacrifices that you all had to make for players like draymond green and like lebron and steph curry and all the players to be able to speak so freely but i think it's important to remember the ones that came before us and that's why i wanted to honor you with that article so i i appreciate everything that you've always stood for and the sacrifices that you've made um, so that myself can have the ability while I was playing to be able to speak freely. So I just wanted to thank you for that before we even get started. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot I want to talk to you about. Um, you know, it, it, and a lot of it is interesting, even from the article, a lot of people are asking, you know, specific questions and things of that nature of of what happened. And I, I know I don't, I don't know how much we have to go into the, the details of everything, but I think that one thing that's interesting as we talk about this notion of what the flag means to different people and what the symbolism means. And I want to read this part because this was a this was a part I did an interview with um, Phil Chenier. I don't know if you remember Phil Chenier. And we were talking about, yeah, from, from the uh, Wizards. Yes, my guy. And we were talking about um, the national anthem, it came back into the news. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, yeah, but 
do you remember that third verse that they took out? And he was like, no, I, I don't, what, do, what do you mean? I was like, oh, yeah, you have to look at that. Because then that'll, that'll open your eyes to what the original intent of the Star Spangled Banner, Banner was. So I want to read the third, uh, the third verse. Um, so it said, um, no refuge. Now, this verse was in there, and then they took it out. Right. That's all right. So it says, no refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave and the star spangled banner and triumph doth wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation. Um, blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, and God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner and triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Now, I remember reading that in high school, and I was like, what the devil is that? Why are we still singing this? Why am I supposed to honor this? So what I started doing was, you know, I was just learning about John Carlos and Tommy Smith and everything. So I started doing the Black Power Salute. And everybody that remembers me playing a Booker T. Washington High School, that's what I did during the National Anthem. And then I read about you. And then I read about the reaction of, of you when, when you said the words, you said, you can't be for God and for oppression. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. That's right. No matter what religion you are, you can't be for both. <laughs> That's, so, so talk to me a little bit about what the flag means to different people and how you interpreted that. Because honestly, I think there's only one way to interpret what I just read from the third verse. I don't think there's any other interpretation that you can have. But talk to me about what the flag represents. Well, well, first, man, I'm glad you read that because as you was reading it, the thought that came to my mind was it doesn't matter if they uh, deleted the third stanza or not. They never deleted the way they treated us right. and the policies, you know, that affected us. So not having it in there never really uh, changed the way we were perceived and the way we were treated historically. So we don't we don't need it. You know, we don't words. <laughs> When it's all said and done, you know, there's a saying that what you are speaks so loudly in my ears that I can hear words you say. Mm. Emerson said that, you know, mm. and, and, and so really actions speak louder than words. But to answer your question, uh, Etan, man, uh, you know, yes, it means so many different things uh, to a lot of people. I think as it relates to whether you're talking about African-Americans, whether you're talking about just people of color, whether you're talking about the Native Americans, uh, our perception of it is quite different than if you're talking about a European American, you know, who reap many of the benefits uh, that this country offers, not to everyone. You know, mm -hmm. they, they have a leg up. Uh, there's this sense of entitlement you know, that exists in this country that's been here from its beginning. So for a lot of us, when we think of the flag, and, and yes, we know that there's always a mixture of good and bad in society. It can never just be totally bad because it wouldn't right. last. Right. You have to be very sophisticated and creative, creative how you navigate and how you manage these things. But uh, I would just say that for many of us or the people that I know and talk to, when we think of the flag or if you're talking to a Native American or a Native, uh, we think of we think of we think of 
phrases like sexism. We think of terrorism. We think of racism, right? These are the things that come to our mind. We think of militarism, right? We think of imperialism. Uh, there's so many words uh, that comes to mind when, when you think of it. And that's the way I began to think. Uh, when I was in the league, I began to read more. And I began to be introduced to a lot of material that I never had access to. Well, I'm not going to say had access to, but I didn't have access to at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and those things, learning about what's happening globally and domestically, like really opened my eyes. Um, that, man, we have a, and, and you knew it already, but I couldn't necessarily put my finger on it. I couldn't articulate it. But the more you read in these books, whether it's by Noam Chomsky, whether it's by Randall Robinson, you know, Randall Robinson said something that still resonates with me. He said, never before in, in, in history have millions, millions of people been deprived of everything except respiratory function. Mm. Uh, uh, language, religion, culture, mothers, fathers, you know, we, we've been deprived of those things. And he said, still, con and he said, even, even genitalia, and he said, still considered ministers to society. Mm -hmm. And so, this is something that has been with us from from time immemorial, man. And and un until things change, uh, I think many of us will continue to see it that way. And no amount of no amount of hoorah speeches, you know, soft words uh, uh, will will change that because it's it's about what's happening on the ground and and how we're being affected. And the audacity of somebody trying to fault you for seeing what it you know i mean when, when you read when you read the third verse it is quite clear like there should be no other discussion yeah but then for somebody and i'm going back to when you were playing in 96 and the and you explained it but it's like people heard something different and just the, for so so honestly and i'm, I'm gonna say it you know as bluntly as as possible for a white person Mm -hmm. to 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 look at a black person and say that I don't understand why you don't look at this Star Spangled Banner and this national anthem the same way that I do. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know, for them to look at a Native American person or a Native and say the same thing and say that you should be required to stand at attention and put your hand on your heart and, you know, all, all of that. Yeah. Knowing the history. It, it'd be different if you didn't know the history, but you know the history. Yeah. But but that's the thing, too. Uh, I, I think a lot of people. Uh, I, I forget her name, man. She said we don't have a. Oh, man. I, oh, I wish I had it in front of me. But it's somewhere down the lines of there are some people, man, that really don't. They know their version of history. Mm. And if that's all that you're being fed. And even if you're being fed that, you know, and you come across Native Americans were here and you come you have you have to engage and you have to ask these questions. You know what I mean? Like dig a little deeper. But not everybody's willing to do that. So there are some people that don't necessarily know. But I think the majority of them do know. And and, and I think she said something down the lines of we don't have a not knowing problem. We have a not. Because many of us know we have a not doing problem or something like that. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's absurd, man, Eton, that and, and and this is another thing too, I think, that exists. We we people are constantly being fed this sense of America is an exceptional nation. Mm -hmm. And there's a great book called American Exceptionalism and American Innocence. 
because okay. this is constantly, constantly was being pushed that American is exceptional. It's, it's unique, nothing like it. And at the same time, everything by and large that America does is from a position of innocence. Like mm-hmm. you made a mistake, it mm-hmm. wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't mean to enslave you. Right. You didn't mean to come and bomb your country into the next in the next galaxy. Right. We we wanted to bring democracy and freedom to you. We wanted mm-hmm. to do this. And so it's always for and this is if this is constantly what you're being fed, and if you're constantly reaping the benefits. And I'm specifically talking about, by and large, European culture. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly receiving the benefit, you're going to perceive America as this great nation. That's Mm -hmm. the way you're going to see it until you come on our side of the track. Right. And you have to go through black like me. Right, right. (laughs) And you live that experience then. And then even then, even if you had to paint yourself black and live that experience, you always can escape it and go back. We can't. Right. You know, so... Uh, and it's amazing, you know, uh, um, that people have the audacity to 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 utter these things. But it comes from a condition. It comes from an education. You know, they're confident in saying it because this is their experience. This is their knowledge base. Uh, and some of them, like you said, know it. And it's just an arrogance. You know, like, how dare you not appreciate what we what we've given you? You know, um, yeah. yeah, don't make yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. And when you talked about the education part, because they're, in the education system, from the time that they're in kindergarten, they're taught that they're of white supremacy, pretty much from kindergarten. They're taught, they're taught, but they're taught things that they know are not true. Like, say, for instance, Christopher Columbus discovered America, even though people were already here. Of course. But they said that they discovered it. Yeah. And they, the way that they refer to the natives as savages, do all the out, and but that's teaching white supremacy from a young age, and then it just builds on from there. So you're told you're better, you're superior, you're, you know what I mean, from a young age. And then people now, it's interesting when you hear people say like, we don't, we don't know how we can uproot this, this, this racism, where it came from. And I'm like, y'all been taught it since kindergarten. Yeah, there's a there's a book, man. It's called The White Architects of a Black Education. And he, he, he made a statement that was so profound. And he said that in justifying colonialism, we can add in justifying white supremacy and justifying all of these things. They use the textbook as often as the bullet. Mm. And this is something that, you know, like I said, like we were talking about before, even with whites, they're being duped. Right. 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 This, this, this concept of. And, and of of being of, of of white supremacy of uh, of of allowing these things to take place. You know, there's a saying that what you allow, I mean, what you concentrate on grows, or what you allow continues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. And so, uh, of course, education and being informed, man, and engaging the issues is so critical. But unfortunately, not not a lot of people do that, and not a lot of people feel they have the time with the society that we live in, man, the work schedule and all that that that's thrusted upon us. But, you know, this stuff has been happening, man, from the beginning. You know what I mean? It, it, even a lot of the the things that existed then, you know, we have these conversations a lot, even about slavery. There's mm-hmm. a book called Slavery by Another Name. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and, and the book that the sister wrote, uh, The New Jim Crow. Uh, Michelle Alexander. These, these things, uh, the faces have changed, you know, but so many things remain the same. You, if right. you have one to two percent, three percent, even if it was five percent of 
the majority of the wealth controlled by one, two, three percent of the people. Right. And that's been that way for years. And you got all of the you look at the prison industrial complex, mm-hmm. all of these things. You look at the, the cost of living, the minimum wage and, and who suffers more. You look at the generational wealth gap. Uh, they said that it would take maybe 200 and something years for a middle class black family to e- uh, match economic parity with a middle class European family. Tell, explain to me how things have changed. Explain to me why, you know, look at the health industry. Mm-hmm. Your third leading cause of death in America is by people using FDA approved drugs and going to the hospital, right? And, and most everything else is associated with health. Almost every facet of life, we can find major, major corruption, right? Right, And, and major death, you know, and, and it's, it's like, what is it about this country that's exceptional? Right. <laughs> Black man, we're, we're usually in all of those categories, we're the ones that suffer the most every time from the beginning to now. So these are the things that upsets me you know, when I think about these symbols, because symbols can't be can't be separated from, especially if you're using this symbol as a representation of the nation. Mm-hmm. Right. So that symbol has to be targeted. Right. If you say this symbol represents us and it stands for this. And for many of us, it doesn't. You can't blame us for attacking that symbol. Right. Sometimes that's the only thing we have or we feel we have to attack. We mm-hmm. don't have the confidence and we're not going to be invited to Congress. <laughs> we're right. not invited. So we, we, we're we angry. We're upset. We're, we, we're, we're reaching for straws. You know what I mean? We're, we're reaching for, you know, uh, a life vest that doesn't seem to come in the time that we need it for the most part. So uh, it's 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 ignorance. It's arrogance. It's a whole bunch of stuff mixed in there when people attack you for taking a position, even using a flag, even even you hear people, uh, and I may be going off on a tangent, you hear people say, well, I ain't talk about the military, <laughs> right? Military mm-hmm. is, look, man, all of these arms are connected. Mm-hmm. Military is not a safe bet. Mm-hmm. The military, why do, you, why do you think America's in a position that it's in now? You know, even the police, and I know we're going to, I think we may forget it, I don't want to jump the gun, but. Nah, you don't want to get to that. <laughs> you can deal with and, 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 and talk about that. It's like, are you serious? Yeah. Talk to me about my, my position on a flag. Right. And, and then even that, you're trying to switch the debate and make it about the flag. Now, let's talk about policies. Let's talk about conditions. Right. That's just what I'm using to get your attention to deal with these things. Mm-hmm. Let's not make it about the flag. That's that's minor compared right. to all the other stuff. And and it's and it's interesting. You know, I remember being in high school and asking, why would we even? And I say we are talking about America. Why would America even use that same song? <laughs> like why? Like why wouldn't they create if they were truly repentive? If they were truly you know, it, why wouldn't they create a new song, talk about and and recognize the sins of the past, not just skip over them like they never happened, but recognize and have a complete atonement for the sins of the past in the song and talk about moving forward collectively or something like, why would you use the same song that has the lyrics specifically of, of a slave? And that, I mean, that, that just that was just mind boggling to me. Right. Right. I, I agree with you. I mean, even after this became public, because a lot of people didn't know 
Right. Uh, there should have been major talk about we need to come up with something else. Yes. To where, but even then, even then, mm-hmm. the argument with us would be when it's all said and done, man, we don't want your songs. Right. We want change. Right. No, we don't want change. As Dr. Harriet would say, not all change leads to progress. Right. Change that leads to progress. Right. You know, right. because you've said things to us since we've been here on the shores. And a lot of what you say to us is just double talk. Mm-hmm. You, know, you contradict yourself. It doesn't really fall. Yeah, you give us tokenism. You give us bits and pieces to where we think that we're moving ahead. But in all actuality, we're not really moving ahead. You can't prop up Oprah and you can't prop up these few billionaires. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a, a example of all of us. Right. Right. <laughs> We all want to eat. We all want to live. No, we don't want to survive. We want to live. And right now we're surviving. Right. And, and, and if America is so rich and so prosperous and so enlightened and all of these things, why are we still dealing with these issues of racism, uh, of, of, of pe- the poverty level? What, 40, 40, over 40 something or 50 million people don't have health insurance. Can't mm-hmm. afford, you got to make these difficult choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I mean, almost every corner, people's blood is being sucked. Right. You know, and so it's it's, you know, so we don't want the songs. <laughs> I mean, yeah, change it. It sounds good, but we want policies. We want progress. I agree. I agree. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, talking to my daughter Imani. You know, she's 13 years old. And I remember a few years ago, she asked me this question. She said, "Well, you know, she saw Trump with the Make America Great Again yeah. um, slogan." She was like. What time in particular are they talking about? <laughs> now, she, now, she's 13 now. So that was a few years ago. She's <laughs> she's learning history and she's seeing she was like, what specific time are they talking about when it was great? And are we included in that time period when it was great? Because it was never great for us. So yeah. she's like, it couldn't have been slavery. It couldn't have been segregation. It couldn't yeah. have been like what part of and what time are they referring to? Now, well, this is. I know thirteen year old girl asking this. I know I know you're being humble, and you said she's reading history, but she, also she's growing up in your household. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. No, she is. <laughs> she is. Yeah, yeah, but oh. yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So let me ask, let me ask you this: when when so when that happened, um, going back to 1996, and this is the thing about it is. 1996 wasn't that long ago. It's not like we're talking about going back to the 60s when it's like black and white TV and we fight for segregation. This is 1996. I was in high school. You know what I mean? You that you came up with a compromise and said that you were going to stand and pray a silent prayer during the national anthem and people still had an issue with that. Still weren't happy. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, Kaepernick kneels. Not happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just find reasons just to argue and to not be happy and 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 to be disgusting. But but yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Um I don't know the question you asked me. I kind of lost <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's just amazing to me that even at you know with that at that time period, um I want you to describe the level of hatred that you was bombarded with at that time because people kind of gloss over it you know they 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 think of it was just maybe a little bit it was a tremendous amount and this was even before social media yeah, we even had social media then yeah. you know what i mean but the level of hatred that you received after that because you 
basically said that, well, this is a symbol of white supremacy, which it is and has historically been. That wasn't a uh, opinion. Those are facts. But they didn't like you saying those facts. So talk about the level of hatred that you received from that. Oh, man. I mean, you 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 saw it represented in the media. You saw it represented in the uh, newspapers. Uh, I received a lot of death threats uh, as a result of it. <clears throat> a lot of hate mail. And, and as you said, which is very important, that sh- should be brought to people's attention, which Dr. Harry Edwards brought it to mind in a way that I didn't even think about, which is why he's considered who he is and the scholar that he is. But he said, you know, Mahmoud, he said, when you, and he wasn't trying to knock anybody at all, but he was just making the point that because we didn't have social media, it, sh- it, 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 it changed things, the dynamic of how things turned out. And on top of that, he said, he said, when you did what you did and Craig did what he did, he said, it was different than when Kaepernick and Muhammad Ali did what they did. So what do you mean? He said, because during those times, they had a movement to attach it to, the Black Mm. Power Movement, Kaepernick, the Black Lives Matter Movement. He said, when you did what you did and Craig, there was no movement to attach it to. So you guys were like on an ocean without a paddle all by yourself. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the media and people could frame the issue the way they wanted to. Mm. And that's what began. Because even with my issue, it was they try to make my 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 drive or my striving for justice strictly about well, that's just for Muslims. Right. Right. <laughs> they try to personalize it. And so I was like, wow, that's deep. I, you know, I never thought about it like that. And so social media during my time. They didn't have it, as you said. And so the media could could control the narrative, can frame it easier the way they want, even though I'm sure the letters and the hate mail that I was getting mm-hmm. they were also receiving. I mean, no, not receiving. And in terms, no, let me uh, go back. I also received a lot of support mail. Okay, okay. Jews, Christians, mm-hmm. atheists, agnostics, Muslims agreeing with the position. I mean, I had so many. So as I had a lot of hate mail, I also mm. had a lot of support mail. Okay. But because there was no social media, the media can just focus on more so mm-hmm. the hate, mm-hmm. right? Tyranny, oppression. Who did this guy think he is? Making mm-hmm. millions of dollars. How can mm-hmm. he talk about oppression? Well, how can mm-hmm. you as a politician talk about it? When right. you understand and talk about poverty and all of this other stuff. So those things for me, that's what, uh, that I think that was the major difference when I did it. And, and as Dr. Harry Edwards was saying, mm-hmm. but they could control that. They can say, you know, we're going to focus on this. We're not going to show all the people, all different religious persuasions, ethnicities and cultures that think the same thing. Mm. This is not what they, you know. Want want the world to see that so many people, if you really give them a voice and listen to them, most people, even a lot of white people, that's that's used as a buffer between the rich and us, right? Mm-hmm. Get the jobs to do this, to, it, it, literally, uh, they would. Many people would say the same thing, like America has serious issues and problems, but this is not the story they want to tell. But it was it was serious, man, to the point where. Uh, and I'm not proud to say this, but I ended up having to go to the hospital twice because you know, I'm, I'm trying to process it. 
I'm angry. I'm listening to all of these diatribes, you know, being mentioned and, and epithets being mm-hmm. used. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I just wanted to go out there and swinging, mm-hmm. I'm listening to people that I trust and I value their opinion and I'm processing it all. And so I'm sitting trying to think things through. And in the process of doing that, I went to the hospital twice because I had uh, ulcers. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had, they had to put IVs in me and everything. And uh, but it was it was constant for that time. And, and, you know, you still get it. But it was it was serious. It was serious mm-hmm. anger and hate, man. And uh, even at the games, people come into the games and they're talking about their love for the anthem. And while the anthem is they're too busy booing me and disrespecting the anthem. while right. Why? There's a whole bunch of contradictions going on. Yeah. yeah, they were booing you while you were praying, but they were booing during the anthem. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm and I'm sitting there, man. I'm like, man, y'all are just <laughs> good lord. <laughs> characters, man. You know, it, I remember. I remember I'm in high school watching all of this, but I'm seeing it. I remember them trying to pit you and Akeem Olajuwon against each other. Yeah. I, and I saw this. Now they went to Akeem Olajuwon and they said, well, what is your interpretation of this? Do you think? And he said a lot, but they took a little bit of the part that he said, no. you know, but he also, he did not knock you. He said, I respect him. I respect him. But they took all that part out. They just said, well, Akeem Olajuwon said that he sees it this way and he's Muslim. So, so Mahmoud Abdul-Aruf has to be wrong. Am I I incorrect in my interpretation of what happened? No, you're absolutely right, man. And and I I wasn't falling for it. Hakeem wasn't falling for it. There were a lot of people who did, even among the Muslim crowd. I mean, how could he? I said, listen, man. I said, I don't, I don't. And I I never heard the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But Hakeem and my relationship had never shifted and changed. Got massive love for each other. And, but I would tell them, I said, listen, you know, you can't just go off of what the media presented. They have a history of uh, chopping things up and not showing things in its full context. I said, but even if that statement was like, okay, what that statement was said outside of something else, even if I disagree of following the law of the land and respecting, you know, I, I don't use that word respect lightly. You know, we're, we're quick to throw the word, well, I, well, we can disagree with something, right? We can not think that it's good. Well, I, re- I respect your decision. No, I understand your decision. Right. I respect it. Yes. I don't have to respect it, but I can understand why you do what you do. So I said, even if I don't agree with him, you know, there's a saying that, you know, you, you learn to agree to disagree as long as it's not rooted in my oppression. Right. So right. We, we move on. I'm gonna, you know, and so that's the way I looked at it. I said, well, I don't agree with that one based upon what my understanding of what Allah says. He didn't put... Uh, two hearts in the human being. You can't be for God and oppression at the same time. Right. And so many other verses, but I understand, you know, how a person can feel that way. But, you know, I just thought it was interesting. You know, I'm reading Malcolm X and he's, you know, saying how, you know, the first thing that happens when a black man stands up on his principles or something. And the first thing the white man does is to go get it. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But he said the first thing the white man does is get another black face to go and offset what that black man just said. Yeah. And that's what happened with Akeem Olajuwon. They went straight to Akeem Olajuwon. They tried to try to get, but then they twisted what he said and yeah. omitted and it, you know, shaped. And then they wanted to present it like this. And it's, it's just amazing to see it happen in real time. Yeah, but for us, a lot of us who are constantly in the, 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 the beautiful, and some of us still get, get tricked, but a lot of us who are constantly interviewed as athletes, we're constantly interviewed. How many mm-hmm. times have we gone and read, uh, uh, read an interview that we gave 
whether it's in uh, in writing, mm-hmm. in television, and it was butchered. Yes. So for us, you know, we don't we don't jump. If 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 you're intelligent, you say, hold on, nah. They have a history of cutting. Right. I'm gonna wait till I talk to him. Right. For myself, I'm not yeah. going to come to conclusions. Or even if I'm on camera, I'm going to find a way uh, to definitely not condemn him. I say, well, listen, I haven't talked to Hakeem. I haven't heard all of what he had to say. Mm-hmm. Like I'm telling you, even mm-hmm. if that's what he said mm-hmm. and nothing else, this would be my position, but it's not going to affect my relationship. Yeah, and, and the media is very good at that, at pitting people against each other. I mean, I experienced it when I was playing with the Wizards. You know, every every athlete has experience where the media at least, at least has tried to, exactly. or they successfully pitted them against each other, one or the other. Exactly. Um, it, it definitely happens. I want to ask you something else. You know, um, David Stern, mm-hmm. um, his reaction to you and treatment of you after that whole thing happened in 96. Um, I know, and you know, you know, it, people speak about people in, let's say, glowing terms after, you know, they're either gone or in retrospect, and they kind of leave out certain parts of it. I, I thought that when I'm watching George W. Bush now, and they're talking about him, and I'm like, do y'all remember everything that he did that he did back in the day, or did are we just gonna skip over all that and forget it? You know, but but uh, but I want to ask specifically about David Stern and how his reaction was to you after that happened and the conversations that you all had, and if he was willing to even listen to your point of view or anything or what what exactly happened. Eton, David Stern and I never had a conversation. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm still, my mind is still blown that he never had an actual conversation to hear your, just to actually have a, a, a man-to-man, human-to-human conversation to hear your thought and your, you know what I mean, opinions, your beliefs and everything like that. I I honestly, I don't know, I I guess I, I just read it that y'all had had a conversation and I thought, I assumed it to be true that y'all had one. I You, you know, I don't know, I don't know, Etan, if, if you know, some people, man, you know, I, I've never been this way. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I look at a person. I don't get caught up in person's labels. I get mm-hmm. I get caught up in I listen to you and I observe your conduct. Mm-hmm. Those things match, and it and it resonates with me. Man, we can talk and hang out and spend time. We don't have to right. we don't have to agree with every everybody. Long as you're not practically, physically doing things and 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 uh, adopting policies that will physically affect mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. the human being. If it's just a theoretical difference, like right. you, you believe, for example, yeah. you believe in the Trinity, I don't. Right. But you're not trying to create policies that are going to oppress me. Right. I, I'm not going to allow that to stop me. Look, let's go shoot some pool. Let's go. Yeah, right. We're still talking. Hey, no, no two course. people are going to agree on everything. Of course. Right. And, and, uh, man, I lost my train. What was I just saying? No, Please. no, no. You you was talking about how that that if if you had you you have no problems having conversations with people, but then when you're using what you believe to oppress you, that's a totally different thing. Right. So so I don't know if David Stern. You know, some people could, for public perception, say we get along with each other. Or I don't have a problem, but I don't. I I really don't know if it was a a Muslim thing. I don't know. You know, uh, 
I can't say, and I'm not going to say it because I can't talk to him now. He's not right, here. Right. Um, but I, you, you do question that because let's face it, even with, you know, you're a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. If you end up in the NBA doing what uh, uh, AC Green did, mm-hmm. where AC Green was like verbalized it. I mean, right. AC Green, if you sat and talked to him, he would probably tell you, yeah, I was treated a little differently, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when you wear it, when you speak it, it's a whole nother ball game, right? Right, And you don't. So I don't know if it's because I ended up becoming one of those that I didn't follow or do the mainstream thing. Just, no, I wanted to wear my faith. I wanted right. to express it. It wasn't just, I'm not, I'm not a closet Muslim. I'm not a, 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 a closet I hate to use these terms in a way because I don't want to limit myself. I'm not mm-hmm. a closet social activist. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I gotta say, I wanna, I'm gonna say it. So I really don't know if that was, you know, if that was a really man a, a part of it or not of why he didn't want to talk to me and have dialogue with me. I have no idea. I have no idea. Wow, that's that's no. really interesting. You know, but I, I don't think and it was myself. And uh, for example. Uh, um, Dave Zirin. Oh, okay, right. Jewish. Yeah, that's my guy. He actually told me to tell you hi when I told him we were that I was interviewing you. <laughs> look, look. Yeah. I love Dave. Yeah, that's our guy. <laughs> and I'm sure if we sat and talked, we're not going to agree on everything. Right. His passion, his his intelligence. Yeah. I mean, I love. I mean, I don't get caught up in it. One of my agents. Keith yeah. Glass was Jewish. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, and it wasn't, it's not, and it's not that. Sometimes people make it, make it to be something that is not. Exactly. And it's just because David Stern has issues with me as well. I mean, I was part of the negotiating committee for, for the player association. So we've gone actually to, to, to war at the negotiating table during the lockouts a few times. And he didn't like the positions that I took and the way that I challenged him and the rest of the CEOs. You know, I, I didn't call them, I don't call them owners for obvious reasons. They they call them governors now, but the way that I challenged them. So he had his own, you know, personal feelings about me as well. You know, and then also when I was here with the Wizards, um, I was speaking against the war in Iraq. Now, at a time where I'm in D.C., at that time, like now, if you talk about Iraq, you know, Republicans and Democrats will both say, okay, yeah, we, we probably shouldn't have gone in there. But at that time, the old, the only public figures that was talking about Iraq was like it was like the Dixie Chicks and like Michael Moore and a few other people. So right. he wasn't that crazy about me speaking out. So it wasn't the Muslim thing. It was mm-hmm. just doing something out of the scope of what he feels should be done uh-huh. by athletes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I do really, you know, Adam Silver is different. You know, he, he's I, I got a, had a chance to interview Adam Silver mm-hmm. and I asked him specifically and I um, asked him this question. I, I interviewed him for the book We Matter, but mm-hmm. I also interviewed him for my podcast, The Rematch. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, you know, under your watch, would you have punished Craig Hodges or Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf? I asked him that point blank. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I don't I didn't see anything that they did that needed to be punished. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about Craig Hodges came respectfully, you know, and, and gave a letter. He's like, I don't know what could be more respectful than that. He talked about you standing there praying. So it was, it was interesting. So different. Yeah. Adam Silver is different than David Stern, Mm -hmm. but I do think that the NBA still, now this is just me talking. This is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I do think that the NBA needs to have some type of recognition 
as to what happened to you. Recognition and reconciliation, mm-hmm. both, both of those, as to what happened with you and Craig Hodges in particular. Now, this is just me speaking. Yeah. That is my personal opinion. Yeah. I, I think that's that is what 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 needs to happen. I don't. You don't need to comment on that. I'm just yeah. saying that's what I feel. Yeah. And you know, for the sacrifices that you all made and what you all stand for in the history of activism, and ha- as you see all these players right now, you see LeBron James, you see Draymond Green just recently, Steph Curry, all the players using their voices and being praised for, for it, yeah. and there needs to be, you know, we need to go back to the players that were whiteballed from the league because of the fact of what they did. I, I don't think you could just skip over that. But again, don't, don't don't even comment on that. This is just this is just me talking. I don't even want you to comment on it. Don't don't say nothing about it. This is just okay. I'll just take that yeah. position and this is what I said. So okay. I not just one. So so all right. So I don't want to keep you too long, but I want to ask you two basketball questions, and then I'll let you go. Two basketball questions. One, you and Shaq, you know, as teammates one of the greatest duos <laughs> I can even say ever. Talk about that relationship and how special you two really were working together. You know what I mean? Because sometimes people forget, like y'all y'all were on a whole different level. Talk about that dynamic that y'all had and how special it was as, as a duo. Well, let me just say this, man. We were young. And, um, you know, I just came off of a freshman 30.2 season mm-hmm. and you know he's coming in as a mcdonald's all-american stanley redshirted the first year now you had another seven seven two guy coming mm-hmm. in you know and 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 so you know there was this talk that uh i'm gonna have to share the ball more and, and numbers are going to drop drastically um and it ended up being that i was probably like almost two points off of doing the same thing with the year with him um, one thing I'll say about Shaquille is, and, 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 you know, when you're in college, man, you already know, I, I don't, well, I don't know each, each, each school and team, uh, teammate mm-hmm. different, but mm-hmm. you have people that you jail with, mm-hmm. out with a little bit more than others, but you're still a team, but right. like myself, Vernell and Stanley hung out more. Okay. Shaquille may have hung out more, but when we played against, I mean, when we pl- practiced together, we were on the planes, everybody. Everybody was, right, 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 right. You just have people that you click with naturally more than others. Right. But I'll say this about Shaquille, man. He said something when he was in uh, college mm-hmm. that I look back on when he got to the league, and I said, man, he had some foresight on that one. He told me once, going into the shower, he said, I- I'm going to be the first player to make 80, 90 million. Mm. on a contract <laughs> and he he made well over that mm-hmm. but he just had a Eton he had man he he had a viciousness about a viciousness about him mm-hmm. like he he didn't want to be put into a box you know that's why he get it and he bring it up court he mm-hmm. his passes right uh, he had an attitude when he played and and I think mm-hmm. that attitude and I'm not saying a negative attitude he had mm-hmm. an attitude of just wanting to be great Right. And uh, wanting to dominate, wanting to strike fear in you, take your heart away. And and that that did well for us. You know, it did well for him over the course over the course of not just being at LFU, but the course of his NBA career. Mm-hmm. I, I started off by saying we were young. Because with all of that talent that we had, mm-hmm. we still weren't able to pull it through. 
And you can have all the talent in the world and, and you could have the best design. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But I think for us, it was an issue at times with because you got all of these players that because Stanley was more skilled than Shaquille. Mm. Shaquille had more like a fire in him than right. Stanley. Both of them want the ball. Right. I want the ball. Right. <laughs> but, but without, and I'm not knocking Dale in this context, uh-huh. but we weren't able to, in that short period, not, not just define in a way that people could say, okay. I mean, for me, it was perfect because I'm doing the same thing. Right. Because Dale didn't see in, in Shaquille that he had that offensive ability. Mm-hmm. To demand, you know, that he later on became. Mm-hmm. He wasn't not, uh, I mean, Shaquille, rather, didn't have that offensive ability, but he was notorious you know, and relentless. On the flip side, Stanley did, but Stanley didn't always want to play. Okay, gotcha. So in light of that, he's like, my move, we need you to, tr- to do what you've been doing. Right. So, so that's why I had to keep the scoring going. But if we would have had that roles defined and more importantly, buying into the roles, mm. like being able to understand, look, let's be mature about this, man. Right. Look, let, where you need to be, I need to do this. I need let get you in your places. Let's make this work. I think we could have definitely won. But because mm. we didn't have that, that's what that's what messed us up. Okay. We, we were immature. We were young. He was like, man. Trick that. And then you had people <laughs> talking about, man, forget it, man. I want to leave. I want to go to the league. So yeah. your mind is in other places. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, he was a uh, man. <laughs> yeah, he was. And he, at that time, he was like cut. Right. right. And still <laughs> bigger than pretty much everybody. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. And so last question, you know, I, I, a lot of comparisons um, of you and Steph Curry. And, you know, I wanted to see your evaluation of Steph Curry as a player. Do you see some of you in him? Um, you know, yes, he's this incredible shooter, creating distance, um, being able to get a shot off over, you know, defenders, no matter how they double, triple team him. A lot of you in him, to be quite honest. Um, what, what, do you, what do you see? There's definitely similarities. Man. He has a quick release. Uh, he can get his shot off, coming off screens. Uh, coming off pick and rolls, he can ISO you. Um, so that's what I. That's one of the things I prided myself on. Uh, he's got me about three inches, <laughs> you know. But 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 he, uh, yeah, uh, he's just a phenomenal man. He's phenomenal. He he has phenomenal control with the rock, uh, uh, and 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 again, his ability to not just get his shot off in different different scenarios, but also finish at the goal, you know, uh, definitely, you know, definitely a lot of similarities. I, but the game, you know, I, I just I just say to people that the game has changed. Now, if you're talking about quickness and speed, I definitely believe I, I have him on the quickness, you know, part of it. Mm-hmm. But, and, and probably even uh, athletic side of it, you know, because I don't think he can even he, – he's not like real – Fluent with his dunks, right? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but but no, man. Everything else, man. Um, there's a lot of similarities uh, with with him and I. 
the game is different though. Now they are looking to shoot bombs. Mm-hmm. They have like a fluorescent light. Mm-hmm. We came up, no matter how great, now unless you were Isaiah Thomas or something like that, but even still, uh, or, or Michael Jordan, you're going through Michael, you're right. going through Isaiah. But most of the teams, a lot of times still, you got to go through the big man like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to run it through them. Now the big man to some degree is almost, the old school big man is obsolete. Obsolete, yeah, dinosaur. Right. So, <laughs> so when you go in the game and you know, you know, man, look, when you were coming up, you didn't get to where where you got to without having some enormous games. Right. And those enormous games that you had, the goal looked like this because you right. ain't have nobody over your back telling right. you you can just play. Right. You actually can come out and there's no range, not, hardly nothing out of your range. You, you don't have anybody over your shoulders. You can shoot the ball pretty much anywhere on the court. <laughs> right. If you want to, you right. can, now you can hold it and you can dance with it for a long yeah. period of time. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a different game. <laughs> I would love to see, I would love to see many of us having yeah. the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that and see how we would have done. Right. But I mean, I, to answer your question, definite, uh, definite, definite similarities. I love watching him. Uh, but I always say too, man, and I know you're not asking in that way. I said, you know, this is his time, and I'm just enjoying watching it. That's great. <laughs> because we've all we people could have looked at me and can look back and probably say, man, he reminds me of. Mm-hmm. There's always gonna be comparison. Right. I'm just honored, literally, and I don't say this, you know, loosely. I'm honored, man, just to even be mentioned uh in the same breath as people that came before me. Like even when they say, man. You, when you were coming up, when you were in high school or junior high, man, they 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 liken you to Isaiah. I'm not gonna be like, man, I ain't no Isaiah. I'm me. <laughs> like, man, that's an honor. Right, right, right. <laughs> now they say, man, look, man, you know how people they want to knock the game. Yeah. Here, there's differences, but I say, look, man, you know skill when you see it. Right, right. And I think it's an honor for me to even be mentioned in the same breath as these dudes. Yeah. It's an honor. And that, and so, but definite similarities. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but definite similarities. No, no, no I, I definitely see it. And what about his last question? And what about his activism and the way that he uses his voice and the way that he I love it. Up? Yeah, I, I love it. I love the position that he took uh, with uh, Under Armour when mm-hmm. he came out and, mm-hmm. and saying what he said about supporting Trump and he put his foot down. Right. And he was willing to risk that huge endorsement mm-hmm. for his principles. Mm-hmm. You know, on top of you know, you know, on top of other things that that he deals with. So though, for me, those are bigger than the jump shots you make. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I see a guy, man, if you got skill, I'm I'm in awe of your skill. I love it. But what attracts me to a player is when your skill or when your humility and your service matches your skill. Mm. Now, now I become a fan. Right, right. And that I'm just I'm not a fan. Right. I like I like this, this, and this. Yeah. That's what when I was coming up, Dr. J was my guy. Mm-hmm. Dr. J flying through the air, exciting, but really what attracted me to Dr. J was his demeanor. Mm. How he the, the images that I saw of how fish to save Pittsburgh. Right. You know, the books that I read, I mean, I mean the book that I read about him 
you know, going to Connecticut and marrying mm-hmm. Turquoise Brown and, mm-hmm. and just his character. I'm like, man, man, this dude is humble. Yeah. yeah, It's something else. I mean, it's bigger than basketball. That's what drew me to him on mm-hmm. top of, if it was just this, there's a lot of people I enjoy watching mm-hmm. that I didn't follow. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he was somebody I was looking to emulate and learn from. Right. That's bigger than basketball. So, yeah, I love when I see that, man. I love yeah. it. Well, I, I definitely respect you. And you you were someone who I love to follow and, and, and wanted to emulate. And when I, ever since I was reading about you in high school, reading about you and Craig Hodges in high school, you know, so I, I want to thank you for everything that you have always stood for, um, who you are as a person. And, you know, people will be reading about you for generations to come. And those are the people and, that, and beyond basketball. So people will be reading about you on the court. But they'll be reading about the stance that you took, the courage that it took for you, the, the the opposition that you that you had to come against, all of that for generations. And that's that's what makes you know you special. So they're going to be doing the same thing with you, with all the what you're doing now, these platforms and 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 having all of these meetings and dialogues with the Cornell West writing <laughs> books. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, they're going to do the same thing, if not more, with you, man. And I just want to thank you for having this opportunity, man. Continue to do what you're doing. Man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Well, stay safe. And thanks again for coming on the rematch and for being a part of my book and for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, Vinny Del Negro, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Thomas 36 Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.